God's people on today's show, I give you guys a recap of a sermon that I spoke last Sunday entitled, Where's the Church? That's where I discuss some of the good things that are in us as human beings. But by part two of the show, I begin to break down and pull back the layers on the evil that is in me. You don't want to miss this one, especially if you're a human being. Oh, that's all of us. You struggle with sin, I struggle with sin. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. Inspiration, now in session. Inspire guys, people, the podcast. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggle to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your jeans. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Where is the church? I had the opportunity to present a message this week in church, and I addressed a simple question. Where's the church? I thought it would be dope to start the show and kind of give y'all a recap of the message that I brought in church, you know, because a lot of people, you know, who listen to the show, y'all not from Michigan, like myself. So you want to, you know, people ask, like, I want to see it or hear it and, you know, whatever. So I'm like, you know what? Let me give you the Inspire God's People version of this week's message. And I think it's going to lead to a really dope conversation, you know, about the choices we make. You know what I'm saying? In this life and some of the things that we deal with, you know, I know some of the things that I deal with for sure. But let's let's jump into it. Where's the church? So first, all right, let's just think about when you ask where, you know, obviously that is referring to location, the location of something. And I, I, I first want you to understand, like, the importance of the location of something. Okay, I relate it to real estate because I have this growing passion for real estate. You know what I'm saying? It's something that I've been working on and working at and learning probably for, mm, I want to say since 2013-ish, you know, when I was uh, getting my first property, um, you know, but it's kind of grown from there, different levels. Uh, me and Tiff actually, you know, took a real estate course uh, to start off this year. We just finished the course and um, for investing. And so it's something that I'm growing in, um, you know, and we are moving forward in. I, I haven't been talking about it because it's like certain things I'm not talking about. I'm just trying to do it. So that's just sidebar. And that's a growing thing. So as I look at real estate, I start learning more and more the importance of location. So, you know, in church this week, I showed them two different properties. Like, I actually had two properties on the screen. One was in Redford, Michigan. And this property was like $142,000, 1,279 square feet, three bedrooms, two baths, right? You know, $142,000. And then I pulled up a similar 
property. Um, actually, a little less square footage was $1,259. Um, two bedrooms, one bath, but kind of the same type of footprint. House was $349,900. Now, you're asking yourself, how can two similar properties be worth, have a difference in $200,000? Like, what's the difference? Houses look about the same. I'm telling you, it was nothing really special about them. But the difference was the location. This is the importance of where something is located. Okay? This is going to make a lot of sense in a second. And for those who have heard my sermon, don't you stop listening. Because the second half of the show is going to be an expansion. And and I'm going to tie it into something totally different than where I took it on Sunday. All right, so follow me. We talk in location and value as it relates to the church. And so now we start trying to understand, you know, where did God build his church? What land did God choose that he saw as valuable land to build his church, all right? Now, a lot of us see the church simply as the building. This is super dangerous to me because it creates the mentality amongst Christians that I only have to act like a Christian when I'm in the church. And so I can only say what I've seen throughout my life. You might have seen something totally different. But growing up in and around a church scene, doing music on the church scene, like in Detroit, you see this mentality sometimes where people are super saved in church. And it's not a requirement to live up to that standard once you exit the building. Because maybe somewhere in our mind or somewhere along the way, we've been taught, maybe even indirectly, that the church was the building. Now, in my personal opinion, I do have an opinion about this. Some of this mindset comes because When you're in a church, sometimes everything is about the church, meaning the church building. So, you know, whether you're always like, you know, required to be there or we doing this fun, we building this, we got programs all the time. And I'm not saying that none of that is wrong necessarily. I do think these things can be wrong. That's my personal opinion. But what I'm saying is that all of the emphasis sometimes can be on the church as a building or organization. And so, you know, a lot of people dedicate their whole lives to that, to the building and the organization and their man or woman of God. You know what I'm saying? No offense to anybody. Pastors and first ladies don't get mad at me. But I do have opinions on these things. That's what we do on this podcast is we talk about things. You know, you wonder sometimes why. Growing up in church, sometimes church kids be the worst kids. Let's just be honest. Like, sometimes kids who spend the most time in the building are the absolute worst at school and when they're outside of that church. Like, we all know that. That's just facts. No offense to anyone. I genuinely believe that this is because, or at least partially because, you know, we've been conditioned to view the building as the church. So, what does that mean? That means some people, you know, they don't cuss when they in church. Oh, but the moment they stop out, step outside of that building, they will let you have some choice words. 
Uh, I don't know many people that get drunk in church. You feel me? Like, oh, no, I would never do that in church. Right. But in their mind, when they step out of the building, they are stepping out of the church. So now all things, you know, are open like we could do whatever we want because we out of church. Hey, I, I grew up in that kind of mentality, too, where you view church as the building. And so what am I saying here? I'm saying, where's the church? Did God view the building as the land that he want? Like, like, did God go to wherever your church at, to that corner, to that street and say, that's where I want to build my church? Or did God build his church on you? In you, like, are you God's field? Are you his land that he went out and scouted and was like, mm, yep, this is where I want to build my real estate because this is valuable land. This is somewhere that's going to be worth something. Yep, you right there. I'm going to put, I'm going to house my, you're my temple. You are my church. The question is, where is the church, people? So let's do this. Let's actually jump into the Bible real quick so we could take a look at where God built his real estate. I'm going to start at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. We're going to read 7 through 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You feel free to read from whatever translation you would like. Here's what it says. Verse 7. It's not important who does the planning or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. All right. Verse eight, the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own work. All right, let's 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 take a break. Let, let me let's think about what's happening here. Paul is starting off and saying, yo, it don't really matter who water it don't really matter who plant. God is the one who gives the increase. Now, you got to understand what's happening during this time. There was some division happening in the church simply based around who people were following. So some people were following Paul and his teaching. Some was following Peter, Apollos, and it started creating a division in the church. Right. Amongst the people, because people were viewing this as like, yo, we over here, we do it this way. Like the name on the building, so to say, I go to abundantly blessed. You go to this church. Like my pastor said, do it like this. My pastor said, do it like that. And it starts creating all this division based on who you follow. Now, this is part of what I think is some of the issues that we have to overcome in today's church, because there is no shortage of great leaders to follow. Right. Some people follow this guy. Some people follow that guy. I'm not going to name names. Some people follow this lady. And what happens is we start elevating the person that we follow above God and above Christ's purpose for his church in the first place. And now this is some of the mentality I think that has crept into the church and some of the issues that I have with how some pastors just want to be elevated above and beyond everything. Like, to me, there are a lot of people that just straight up want you to worship them. And it's like, I'm sorry, homie. Like, I'm not worshiping you. It's not going to happen. I'm going to respect you. I know how to follow someone who's leading, but I'm not going to worship you. And so many people are requiring worship from the saints. And to me, that's a problem. 
And that's something we don't talk about a lot in the church, but it has to be addressed because when you look at the Bible, the Bible teaches against and speaks against those type of thought processes. What I also think is dope in this passage is this is Paul talking and Paul is one of the people that people are trying to follow. So I love Paul's character and integrity here because he not allowing the fact that I'm one of the people that y'all are trying to elevate, stop him from speaking the truth. And some of us get a little greedy. We get a little selfish. It's like, oh, wait a minute. They trying to elevate me because inspire God's people. Well, let me go ahead and take this pat on the back and elevate my go ahead and elevate me. And we want to be worshipped. Go ahead and work. Y'all want to worship me because I got a dope podcast? Well, go ahead. Why not? And what happens with this, as you're going to see as I break this down, is that there's, there's a huge problem with elevating any person, any human being above God. It's a huge problem in that. But let's keep reading. Verse 9. For we are both God's workers. So Paul is talking about himself and the other leaders that people are trying to, like, divide. He's looking like, look, bro, you might plant, I might water, but ain't none of us bringing an increase regardless. God is the one bringing an increase. So let, let me just worry about planting, you worry about watering, and stop trying to figure out which one is the best because they're both needed. And so he like, we're both God's workers. But listen to this next part that he says. Now he's talking to the people. He said, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Verse 10. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be careful. Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Woo, it's a lot being said right here. Hey, hey, it's a lot being said right here. I love this, y'all. This is some dope stuff. Why? First of all, I like the fact that, you know, we've been talking about real estate. We've been talking about, you know, you being the land and you being a temple. And what do we say? Paul said, you are God's field, right? You are the land that he chose. Then it said, you are also his building. So like God is different metaphors that you can look at in the Bible um, that explains things in different ways. And, and some of the metaphors, it talks about us as God's field. And other, uh, others, it talks about us as God's building. And, and so in, the essence, in a sense, we are both. And we're going to take a look at that. So first and foremost, Paul kind of tells us, like, we are God's real estate. And then the second thing is he's telling us, you know, really before that, he's telling us not to focus on you know, the name on the building or the name of the denomination or the person you follow in the Bible should be like, like God's purpose should be the purpose. You feel me? But what I really like after that is he talks about how this thing is laid out. Like he built it like an expert builder. We talking about real estate. You feel what I'm saying? And so he's saying like, we laid a foundation. And that anybody else who comes trying to build on what we're doing. So any other leader, pastors out there, ministers, all of that, podcast hosts, you know what I'm saying? Myself included. If you're coming to teach and build on God's church on this foundation, what do we say? Be careful, fam, because we didn't already laid the foundation. Like, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. All right, so let's think about when you're building a property. 
like a home from scratch, right? You go out and you go pick a piece of land, right? A lot of times there's a lot in a subdivision or something that's already there, or you could just go buy your own lot somewhere. But when you pick a piece of land, that's the starting point. And then, you know, a lot of people, I've talked to several people, myself included, me and my wife, you building a property, you going there every other day looking at it. Even when nothing is there, you know what I'm saying? You, you just happy to go look at the grass every day. And then something interesting happens once progress is being made. They dig a hole in the ground. And I know, like, if you've never built a property, this probably sounds stupid to you. But wait until you do it one day if this is a route that you go down. When they dig a hole in the ground, you literally get excited. Like, you're going back like, hey, you drove out there today? Yeah, I saw the hole in the ground. And the thing that's crazy to me is that, like, I'm excited because something happened, right? Now, here's the other thing. When you dig the hole in the ground, it represents making room for the foundation. So here's what I'm saying. If I'm God's field, if we are God's field, right, we're the land that he chose. The first step in the process is to, for him to dig a hole in us. What does this mean? This means we have to be willing to let go of a piece of ourselves. We have to be willing to die to our flesh in order to allow Christ to build a foundation in us. Now, if the church is just the building, there's no requirement for me to allow God to build in me. But what I'm telling you today, when we ask the question, where is the church? I'm trying to get you to start looking at the church as you, as the people. And if I am the church, that means that I have to allow God to start building something here. If God is going to build, then there's a piece of Jermaine that I got to give up. Now, what I'm telling you is that a lot of times in this society today, we don't want to give up a piece of ourselves. We embrace every part of ourselves because we don't understand the idea of self-denial. We are so self-righteous sometimes that we think, oh, Jermaine, there, there could be nothing wrong with me. I'm too dope. I'm doing the podcast. I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm a good brother. Blah, 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 blah. Stop lying to yourself, bro. I got so many flaws, it doesn't make any sense. I've made so many mistakes in life, it doesn't make any sense. And for me to get on the right path in this life, it took me seeing that in myself and allowing God to dig a hole and replace it with his foundation. Now, the question is, if you want to be God's church, are you, are you willing to allow God to do step number one and dig a hole? What are you willing to let go? Oh, you want biblical example? Off the top of my head, I could think of the rich young ruler. When Christ went to him and he like, yo, I, I'm this, I'm that, right? We got this self-righteous vibe. And God asked him, like, well, can you give up the money? And he like, ooh, mm, you... You want to dig a hole. Oh, I thought you was just going to build something just on top of where I'm already at because I thought I was dope enough. I thought I had spent. This is self-righteousness, people. Self-righteousness, one of the aspects of it is when you see yourself higher than you should be. And we're not looking at ourselves in the mirror and being honest and seeing the flaws in ourselves. And if you're not willing to see the flaws, 
you're never going to be able to build a new foundation. So when, when Christ asked the rich young ruler to give up a piece of himself, he couldn't do it. And so Christ couldn't build there. And so I want y'all to understand this is a choice. This is how salvation is a choice. This is why salvation is a choice because God ain't going to build unless you say you want to be built on. Like, you're not just going to come and start building. Like, like you have a say-so in this transaction. He did the work. He died for your sins. But will you accept it? And upon accepting Christ, I have to be willing to die to a piece of myself. And here's the beauty of it. When we accept Christ and he starts digging out those things in us that he doesn't want to build on, that, that we are sacrificing and saying, no, nah, no, nah, Lord, you know what? I know I got a bad attitude, but I, I'm, I'm going to let you dig that out of me. I, I know that I lust, but I'm going to let you dig that out of me. I know that I got a bad mouth. I'm going to let you dig that up out of me. You get what I'm saying? And there's all these things that each of us have going on in our lives that first we have to be honest that, you know what? There are some things inside of me I need to let go. I'm not all that great. I know we live in a society where we want to worship ourselves and walk around acting like we have it all together. But I'm here just to tell you for myself today that no, I don't. And God is continually working in me. And God has continually worked in me. And by the grace of God, that's the only reason and the only way I stand before you today that you hear my voice is because at some point I had to surrender and start allowing God to dig at the things that are not like him that are in me. There is good and evil in me. And that is the reality of what it means to be a Christian is to be able to admit that. And we have this mentality sometimes that we're going to walk around and front our way through life because, hey, I got it for my brand. I got to seem like this for my brand. Listen, man, I'm not going to let my brand send me to hell because I don't want to let go of something that's not like Christ in me. All right, let's keep going. We're still in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's go to 16 and 17, New Living Translation. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? Verse 17, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So again, Paul is establishing you are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. This should excite us because although we don't deserve it, God views us as a valuable field, a valuable lot of land to build his church in. Now, again, once Christ is the cornerstone. So let's think about this foundation. Like I allow God to start taking the things of I allow God to start taking things from me that are not like him so that he can build a foundation. The, the cornerstone is the first brick that's laid and it's, it's often bigger than the other bricks. Right. And the dope thing about a cornerstone is when you build everything else around it, if that cornerstone was removed, everything else will fall. So what is God saying? God is literally saying, I want to take a piece of you out of you, replace it with me, my Holy Spirit, so it can be housed in you to the point that Christ, Jesus Christ is going to be the cornerstone. And if you remove him, everything else will crumble. 
But God is saying, like, I can't build my temple. Like, I, you can't be my temple until I replace you with me. Woo! All right, let's keep going. Verses 21 through 23, right? These are the last ones in Corinthians I'm going to read. Verse 21 says, So don't boast about following a particular human leader, for everything belongs to you. 22. Whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life and death or the present and the future, everything belongs to you. But here's where it gets good in verse 23. And you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Where's the church? The church is in you. You are the church. And the reason this mentality change and shift is important is because when I start seeing myself as the church, then I'll have to think twice before I start acting crazy outside of the building. Now it's like, ooh, imagine you in a club, you getting drunk and somebody running to you and they just pointing, ooh, that's my church right there. Look, y'all, there go my church. There go the church right there drunk, passed out on the floor. There go the church stumbling out of the Uber. Ooh, look, there go the church right there. Mm, look at him creeping. That's the church. It's a mindset shift. When we start viewing ourselves as the church, we start realizing I can't act crazy or talk any kind of way at church. I mean, at work, just because I'm away from my fellow believers. No, like I may be the only church that someone gets to go to. Look, y'all, some people don't go to church, but they know you <laughs> like they don't go to church, but they work with you. They don't go to church, but they your cousin. They come over your house for the game or the fight or whatever. And, and we're not sometimes and I'm guilty of this, too. We're not sometimes giving people the only church that they're ever going to go to. We're not giving it to them because we're wasting that time trying to fit in with them, wasting that time worried about what they think about us. And what I'm telling you is when you start viewing yourself as the church, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the, the fellowship of the body of believers is not important because we all know that it is. But some people don't get to get to that step. And if I'm going to act a fool outside of the four walls, they may never be interested. Some people aren't interested in church because they met you first and they view you. You're like, oh, that's the Christian. That's what church looks like. I'm straight. Church looks like inspire guys, people, Jermaine, like how he. No, I'm good. That's why we got to be mindful of the fact that we are God's church. We are valuable. We are. Val Look, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It doesn't matter what sins you've committed. It doesn't matter. Look, we all have been through a lot. I've been through a lot. I had to spend many nights on my knees asking God for forgiveness, asking God for a new mindset, a new outlet. I want to be a new person, a new creature in Christ. We've all been there, but God saw us as valuable to build upon, but he sees us that way when we surrender to him. See, he didn't see the, the rich young ruler decided not to be built upon. God saw the value in him. If he could just give up the thing that he was holding on to. And so many of us, there's something valuable in us, but we can't give up our sin. We can't give up our thorn to allow Christ to build upon us. Build upon build upon Guys, people, build it is time for the J. Will Music Song of the Day. You don't want to miss the second half of today's show. When we come back, we are going to talk about the evil inside of us. But for now, check out. Dying for You by Darius James featuring Joshua Loman and yours truly, J. Will Music. See, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. So I come to you, 
And I cry out for you, Lord. We busy out here doing less love and more hating, yeah, yeah. It's not the way to treat our father, so why say, Jesus, I'm dying for you, all for you. So, Jesus, I'm dying for you, yeah, yeah, for you. So, Jesus, I'm dying for you, all for you, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I'm dying for you, all for you, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. yeah. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. So I stand strong, press through my pain. Take the hammer back, put this word to my brain. Don't say I can't, cause I stay in no circumstance. We'll never stop the momentum he put inside me. The moment he came into my life, my spirit rise. See, my flesh died, he overcame the grave. I am alive, he lives inside, so I live again. Jesus, I'm dying for you, all for you. For you, Jesus, I'm dying for you, for you, Jesus, I'm dying for you. It's time to live, let's die. Dead to my old ways, welcome to the new me. Went from Clark Kent to Superman, they like, who's he? I guess I change when you think about it Well, that's why I ask you what you think about me People make you feel wrong for doing right I'm dead to the reactions of the artists that literally please the masses I'm just worried about trying to please Jesus and Nazareth So please don't think that what you think so of me even Jesus, matters Jesus, I'm dying for you, yeah, for you So Just heard Dying for You by Darius James featuring Joshua Loman and yours truly, J. Will Music. Now let's jump right into the second half of the show. I'm going to start this right off with scripture. We are going to jump into Romans chapter 7. And we're going to start at verse 14 again, reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Same author as Corinthians, by the way, right? Paul writing this. Verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. 15. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Verse 16. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. Verse 17. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. Verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Verse 19. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it 
anyway. Verse 20. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. 21. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Verse 22. I love God's law with all my heart. 23. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Okay. Woo. I know that was a lot right there. I do what's right. I don't want to do what's right. I do what's wrong. But you know what's crazy? Those, those verses sound a little confusing, but if we are being absolutely 100% real with ourselves, that is exactly what it feels like to be a Christian. Read the Bible. I believe the Bible. Yeah, I believe in God. Like, yeah, I want to live for Christ. Like, for sure. Oh, I want to do good. Oh, but it's something on the inside of me that like every time I want to do what's right, then the option to do wrong comes up. Oh my God, where'd that thought come from? Like, what is that? That's not me. I don't want to think like that. I want to do the right. Like, as confusing as those scriptures sound, they make perfect sense. Now, here's why I wanted to, you know, kind of tackle this today. And I want to be upfront and honest that one of the things that I try to be careful with when I'm talking about seeing is... I try to be careful to make sure that I have balance because sin is a tricky topic because you could tell someone, you could show someone one scripture and it will almost make them feel encouraged to continue to sin. So you have to make sure you give them the whole story. So this part of what we're talking about now is number one, I wanted to point out just the honesty of the fact that in our sinful nature, in us being human beings, as you hear Paul talking about, there is a part of being a human being. No matter how dope you are, I know you're a good person. I know I'm a good person. Oh, you like inspire God's people. I seem like a pretty cool guy, don't I? But guess what? There is sin nature living in me that I have to battle and deny every single day. Now, when I kind of relate it to the earlier scriptures, this is part of the reason why I think we have to be careful when we are exalting leaders above God. And I think Paul knew this because keep in mind, the same person is writing this, wrote those scriptures earlier where it's like, yo, it doesn't matter who waters. It doesn't matter who plants because it's God that gives the increase. And I think, you know, part of this understanding as a leader is you're making sure that people understand that you are human too. And that, hey, no, 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 don't elevate me too high because I'm not Jesus and I'm fighting the same fights that you're fighting. And one of my challenges just in the world today is like it seems like everyone is trying to live a certain image. And I can remember when I was a little younger, maybe feeling like, man, nobody's maybe battling how I'm battling. So you don't want to say you're battling because you're supposed to be a Christian. You're not supposed to be struggling with anything. And then I read the Bible and I'm like, whoa, hold on. This guy who's writing this, that's how I feel. I want to do right, but I choose wrong. I think wrong. Sometimes I and, and it's this whole dynamic of understanding. And the more and more that I read the Bible, it started making more sense. It's like Jesus said, pick up your cross 
and deny yourself and follow him. So it's understanding that, yes, there is evil working inside of you, uh, a sinful nature in your humanness. But here's the beauty of it. Matter of fact, I'm going to answer that, that question and give the balance by reading the rest of the scriptures. Verse 24. We're still in Romans 7. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Let's take a pause right there. Come on, man. Don't you ever feel like that? You ever sinned in your life or have any, any part of you that's like, man, I want to live for God. But like, man, I'm just a messed up person. And I guess I'm just messed up. I guess I, you can't get right. Like the, you know, movie life. When the dude name can't get right. That's how we feel sometimes. But here's the beauty of it in verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. But look, you got to keep reading. This is what, look, you can't. One thing I always tell people when it comes to the Bible, be careful just reading one scripture and running with it. You got to read chapters and books and ver like you have to understand what is the complete message being told here. So now we go over to chapter eight in Romans verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of, of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit. Woo. I know that was a lot. I know that was a lot. Look, look at this. Ooh, ver verse five. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy spirit, think about things that please the spirit. Verse six. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind, leads to life and peace. Woo! Are you feeling this? Are you feeling it? Look, there's a lot more that he said. I'm going to stop right there. As believers, we have a choice. Notice he say like those who are controlled, you know, by sin, they're slaves to sin. Those who are controlled by the spirit, they're free. So what am I saying? There's good and evil in me, right? And every day I have to wake up as hard as it might be some days, right? We all have weak days, but every day I have to wake up and I have to decide that I am going to be controlled by the good in me. It's a choice that we relinquish control over to. And I'm telling you this to let you know that no matter what you're dealing with, no matter how bad your past is, no matter how tough and real your struggles feel, and I know they are real, no matter how hard... Uh, your, you know, your battles are and tough. Your battles are with lust and sin and sexual sin and, you know, living in a world, whatever it is, there are all type of sins that we all battle with. But the freedom that you have today 
is the fact that you don't have to be controlled by your sin nature. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the fact that, yes, I struggle. I'm like the, the ability to sin is within me. And sometimes we think just the presence of the ability to sin means that's our identity. And what I'm trying to tell you today is that you have a choice about what part of you you want to choose and you want to control your life. And that part that's not like God, that's the part that you can allow God to dig in and build a new foundation through the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. This is why we are Christians. This is why we give our lives to God. I gave my life to God because I know that like the sin in me, if I take this to the end, I'm not going to make it into the kingdom. But if I relinquish control, if I say, God, you know what? Yep, I'll take your new foundation. I need your new foundation because I recognize that I'm not able to do it in my own. Listen, God's people, in order for us to truly be saved, in order for us to truly give our lives to God, and keep in mind, this ain't about nobody else. This is a very personal decision. This is not about me judging myself against anyone else and Oh, I'm better than him, so I'm good. Oh, I'm better than her, so I'm all right. Oh, I'm not as good as her, so I need to get to where she at. No, this is very personal. This isn't about block out every other person in the world. This is about you and your life in Christ and about you recognizing that I need a new foundation. Like, yeah, I know I got a lot of good things about me, but rich young ruler, what is the one thing that you holding on to that you haven't given over to Christ? And that's the thing that we need to think about today, that evil that's within us. And again, I'm not trying to condemn you because it's in me, too. I, got, I think we got to get over this idea that there are some perfect people walking around on this earth that don't even have a bad thought. Come on now. Come on, man. Like, don't front. Don't front like you don't have some struggle. But I also think we have to be careful not to promote our struggles and then create new struggles in other people. And so there's this balance. That's why I like how Paul talks in the Bible. Like he talks about both sides. In Romans, you got to read the whole thing. It walks us through. And I'm not saying that it's all easy or black and white depending on the situation in your life. But what I am saying is that what is black and white is that Jesus Christ died for your sins, whatever they are. And no matter how down and out you feel, and no matter how bad you feel like your life is or whatever you did, there is absolute hope in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Jesus God's people, thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoy what you heard, please do stop over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Subscribe to the show. You can just even Google Inspire God's People and enjoy every show all the way back to our first episode. And please do not forget to tell a friend. We love you. Inspire God's People. Inspire God's People. If you're looking for me, I'll be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I serve below the surface, it's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world. Look in the sky, there ain't no stars in it. The art is all natural and authentic. Rivers of love, we swimming for us. We can't drown if we fall in it. 
If you looking for me, I be in my own world Create for the creator when I'm in my own world I surf below the surface, it's layers to my purpose Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world